What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Flip Hacking Live podcast. This is Bill Allen, and I've got my good friend Andy McFarland on the podcast today. So I took a clip from 2018. I went back to the archives of Flip Hacking Live 2018 to show you what these events are like and what kind of content we put out during this event so you can see firsthand how valuable each and every presentation are at this time. So there's a quote in here that I want you guys to listen to. He says, a shift will come eventually and these tools work even better in a buyer's market than they do in a seller's market. In 2018, we we're in a seller's market, 2019 seller market, even right now, when you're listening to this, we're pretty much in a seller's market. But he says, a shift will come eventually. And these tools work even better in a buyer's market. So this is something that you absolutely need to hang on to. You need to write down, pull over, get out your paper and pencil, write this stuff down. He talks about, all we do is we use the cash hammer. So Andy gave away the keys in this presentation at Flip Hacking Live to seller financing. And I'm going to let you in on a little bit of the presentation. And then at the end, I'll tell you how to get the whole thing if you want it and maybe a little bit extra. So we'll cue the theme music and then we'll bring on Andy McFarland from Flip Hacking Live 2018. The big question is this, how do you start or grow a real estate investing business that will give you the income and financial freedom you desire without losing a ton of money or wasting years of your life trying to figure it out all by yourself? That is the question and this podcast is the answer. I'm your host, Bill Allen, and together we are going behind closed doors so you can hack the country's top experts and learn the secret tips, tricks, and strategies that actually work in today's market. Welcome to the Flip Hacking Live podcast. Yeah. Do you guys, you guys remember what Bill said the first day? He stood up here, set the frame for all of you, said, the louder you guys get, the more they're gonna give. Yeah. All right, so I heard it. In my mind, I have not heard anybody louder, even though there were some people that should have gotten louder applause than me that came here today because it was great. But I heard it. I heard it. So I hope I can bring it for you guys. But before I do that, I want to kind of a favor. I had this like little mini thing in my mind that I kind of, a little fantasy in my mind. If you go to help me, I'll help you maybe you guys. It's 4 o'clock, 4.15, something like that. It's been a long day. It's been an awesome day, but it's been a long day. And we still have some time left to go. So do me a favor and do you a favor. Here's what, here's what I would love to do. I would I've never initiated the wave. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? So what I want to do, I was going to like run, I was thinking, I was going to get down there and like run, maybe I will run, down here, the guys that are like the camera, but like start it here and then just kind of run down here, then I'll be out of breath, but let's do it anyway. I just want to do it, because I got the mic and I can, ready? Let's go back too, ready? for both of us, where it's a win-win, right? Everybody's feeling awake, cool. Now I'm out of breath, that's what I was worried about. Okay, I'll catch it back though, we'll keep going. Um, God, this event's been amazing, right? I knew it was gonna be, because I put this slide in. Jason is my witness, it's been a month now? Now it's been weeks, but it was here before we came. And uh, the, the, this event would not be possible without the superheroes that brought you all here. Bill Allen. Right? And this one we haven't heard much about in this room, we talked earlier this week. Vanessa, 
superhero. And of course, we can't forget Mr. and Mrs. Incredible. And last, but certainly not least, that's you, Kyle. He got a shout out from Russell from the stage. He got a shout out from Russell from the stage. Cool. So thank you guys for now, and thank you guys for coming. But thank you guys for superheroes. Um, who here likes MacGyver? Right? Why do we like MacGyver? I know you can't answer me, so I'll answer. I like MacGyver because he was always helping people. But not only that, he was always helping people, but then he, he used his mind to kind of help people get out of situations, right? His mind was the ultimate weapon. So that's why I love MacGyver, always helping people, and he used his mind to help people get out of situations. I remember one MacGyver, I, I haven't seen MacGyver in probably 20 some odd years, but for some reason this has burned in my brain, so I'm like, I gotta put this slide in here. The scene of MacGyver playing pool with some like wayward teen. Remember this? He's just having a, maybe you probably don't remember, but he's having a conversation with him in the pool hall. The wayward teen's got these problems, he's talking to MacGyver about it. And MacGyver's like, you know, taking, soaking those things in, trying to give him life advice, and this guy's just struggling, this teen's struggling. And they're playing this pool game all the while they're talking. And then it's MacGyver's shot, and he's behind a rough pool shot, right? Those of you that play pool, it's just a tough shot. And the teen looks at him and goes, what are you gonna do now? And MacGyver shoots some crazy amazing trick shot, wins the game, eight ball or whatever goes in the pocket. He looks at the kid and goes, you gotta learn to look at all the angles. And there was this perfect crescendo of like, the pool game comes with life, right? Gotta learn to look at all the angles. As real estate investors, we are guilty of looking at one angle. It's called the cash hammer. 70% of ARV minus repairs, sometimes it's 82% of ARV minus repairs, whatever it is, right? The cash hammer, that's how we do business. And when you look at things from the cash hammer perspective, that's our tool, every problem's a nail, right? I hope to convince you guys today to be more like MacGyver. Let's get a Swiss Army knife here, right? He had multiple different tools that he was famous for, right? Swiss Army knife was what comes to my mind, but some of you guys might think of some of these other tools, right? It's paper clips, right? So why does this matter to you? I hope that, uh, hope we leave today to give you some of these tools and encourage you to be like MacGyver, real estate MacGyvers. Always be helping people, but increasing your tools so that you can, again, use those to help other people. Um, and why does this matter to you guys? Is this market, is this a seller's market? Yeah. I mean, it's been a seller's market for a while, right? We're in this bull run. In a seller's market, it seems like it's hard to do deals, right? So people wouldn't do a terms deal in a seller's market, would they? I can tell you guys, these tools we're gonna to talk about, they work in a seller's market, and I'll prove it to you, but they work even better in a buyer's market. So anybody's worried about some sort of market shift coming, and a shift will come eventually, these tools, you should care because they work even better in a buyer's market, okay? So question, what do you guys think? What percentage of my deals in the last 12 months running in for some form of seller financing? Any guesses? Five, 10%. Five, 10, 20. 20. 23%. I counted them up. In the last 12 months, 23% includes some form of seller finance in a seller's market, right? So today, I wanna to talk to you guys about these things. So first, the number one key and I did this just so you, some of you guys that are tired and if the wave didn't wake you up, you can just go to your room, take a nap, it'll be another however long, 45 minutes. Um, but yeah, I'm talking about the first key to seller finance, the second key um, to seller finance, then some seller financing for flips, for longer term seller, some longer term seller finance, and seller finance when there's no underlying mortgage. And 
I'm gonna include some paperwork for those of you that are like, it seems complicated, I don't know how to do it. I'm gonna include some paperwork so you guys can see it, okay? Fair enough, you guys excited for this? You good with this? Okay, all right, so the number one key to unlock seller finance deals, this is extremely important, it's belief. You've gotta believe that one, you can do it, and two, that it's, it can be a better deal for the seller. You gotta believe, because if you don't believe, we're stopped right there at the door, it doesn't matter. Nothing else matters if you don't believe that it actually can be a good deal. Because here's the thing, you can't effectively sell which you don't believe, right? But when you believe, your, your mind finds a way to do. So the belief is extremely important. Please don't overlook that, I put it there for the first key for a reason. That is extremely important, we have to have the belief. The second key to unlock seller finance deals is trust. You have to have trust to do seller financing deals. Terms deals require an enormous amount of trust. So you're gonna have to earn that trust with your sellers. Now, you guys might be thinking to yourself, great, how do I earn that trust, right? Here's what I'll tell you guys. No one cares how much you know until they know how much you care. Like, we overlook that a lot, right? Right, yeah, 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 I get it, I gotta be, somebody's gotta trust me, but can we get there pretty quick? Microwave trust? There's no microwave trust. You've gotta earn it, you've gotta believe, go in with your belief, and then you've gotta earn that trust. But it can't be fake, it can't be fake. So, here's how we earn that trust, in my opinion. You show that you care by active listening. Not just in work environments, you guys have all experienced this, people that you know care about you, how do you know they care if you stop and think and analyze it, if you don't already know? It's because they took the time to listen to you and value you and pay attention just to you. That's how you knew they truly cared. You can't fake that. We all feel it intuitively as human beings, right? We've all felt this before. And here's the thing too about active listening. Listening is not waiting to talk. Sometimes we confuse that. Oh, I was listening, sitting there, I was silent, you know, I didn't say anything, no words came out of my mouth. But were we listening or were we waiting to talk, right? It's important. Hopefully one of these is Russell's bottle. I wonder, if he's got some of that stuff bottled up from earlier, I want it right here. What do you guys think, right? Cool, you guys with me? Extremely important before we get into the details of it. Okay. Um, somebody asked me yesterday at the round table, like, well, how do you do that? How do you get into trust? Okay. Start conversation, you wanna to listen to somebody, but sometimes you get to the front door and you're like, okay, now what, what do I say? If you don't know what to say to start a conversation, please remember this acronym FORD, F-O-R-D. Start the conversation. F stands for family. Talk about their family. If they don't want to talk about their family, or even if you just go through these, if you don't want to talk about their family, shift to O, right? You're asking them questions and they kind of don't want to answer too much, go to O. O is occupation. Maybe they want to talk about what they do for work. If you kind of get a dead end with occupation, then you can go to recreation. What do they do for fun? Ask them about that. And then finally, you can ask them about their dreams, their aspirations, what do they want to do? And here's the thing, when you're asking them those things, you're not waiting to talk, you're truly listening, right, with your active listening, and what you're listening for is clues. And if you're truly listening for clues, you're gonna ask clarifying questions, because that really shows that you care. When you're talking to somebody about anything, and they answer with something, if you ask a follow-up question, they know you truly care about that, and it's twofold, you're building rapport with them, meanwhile, you're learning more, and you're, you're digging deeper about what it is that they're sharing, right? It's just, it's a twofer that's the best in the world. And you can't fake this, please don't ever try to fake this, right? So I want to ask you guys too, I want to challenge you guys too, like MacGyver, to ask yourselves within your, your, your circles of influence, when you're out there being real estate investors, to ask yourself this question every day. Start, start your day with this and hopefully end your day with this. Have I done any good in the world today? There's a lot of good in the world. Be that good 
ask yourself, to, to tell yourself, today I'm gonna go out there and be that good. I'm gonna be like MacGyver, I'm gonna go help people. Have I done any good in the world today, right? And let me tell you guys this too. Even if you don't get a deal, what's the most valuable resource any of us have? Time. You guys have been so gracious to give that to us this weekend. You took your time, you spent your money, but there's a lot of money in the world, but you spent your time. We appreciate that. So when you give that time to a seller to actively listen, you're serving them. That's doing good in my opinion, right? And at the very least, it gives somebody psychological air. It allows them to vent and share. I mean, that's why counselors get paid so much money, isn't it? They're just only there to listen. Isn't it a shame we have to go pay hundreds of dollars to have somebody listen to us? It shouldn't be that way. So I want to challenge you guys, when you're going to see the sellers, you can be that person. You can serve them just by giving them psychological air. So do that. To reemphasize, please use these tools to bless other people's lives. They'll actually work if you do, and if they don't, if you're manipulative, they might work in the short run, but they'll never work in the long run. So now that we've got that out of the way, whew, um, I want to share with you guys some broad seller finance categories. We've only got a short amount of time here, so I've got to con condense them and talk about, they have to be broad, but by no means, this is not, and within each one of these categories, there's so many different types of seller financing. Options, like options are just limited by your imagination, okay? But these broad categories are intent to open your mind. So those of you that have not done any seller financing deals, I hope this opens your mind so it's possible, so your belief when you leave here is like, Andy did that, he told me about those certain types, certainly somebody's done it, he's done it, I could do it too. So if you leave here with nothing more than belief and a little bit of like, man, I want to watch that video again because Andy talked about those things, seller financing, I'm not quite sure what that is, I want to watch it again, right? Then that's, that's good enough for me, right? And by the way, when you sign up these seller financing deals, you can wholesale these deals too, because we do. You can wholesale it, okay? Yeah, you see them all the time. And it's, and it's a value add to them, okay? All right, let's talk about short-term seller financing for flips. I think sometimes we get stuck in our mind thinking seller financing has to be this long-term thing. It doesn't. Seller financing can be, you can do that for flips too. So it hinges on two different things. One, interest savings, and two, the capital requirements, right? Fewer capital requirements. So here's what I mean, interest savings. Sellers don't, they don't value money like we value it. Everybody in this room, they understand what points and interest is. I could ask any one of you guys and know roughly what investors get, right? Sellers don't know that. They don't understand that. They don't value money like we do. A lot of people don't understand the time value of money, right? And that's okay. So get out of your own paradigm thinking like they all think like I do because they don't. Spend time actively listening and ask them. See what they know. See where their experience level is and recognize they think of interest savings different than you, right? They think of interest different than you. The second thing, fewer capital requirements. If you've got a stack of a million dollars you can buy properties with, you can only buy a million dollars worth of property, right? Sometimes we think that in our finite minds, we're like, okay, this is it, this is all I've got. Once I've done this, exhausted, I can't buy any more properties. But if we think of the seller financing, that's their cap, that's a capital stack that's in addition to that, right? At low interest rates oftentimes. And we'll use an example of that, right? So when you think about it, when you're thinking about seller financing for flips, you run your math, but could you adjust your price if you didn't have to pay points or as high of an interest rate? Because you guys calculate holding costs into your, your equation, don't you? Hey, think about that. Could you adjust your price if that's right? Uh, if you didn't have to take from your available capital to purchase property, because sometimes you're like, well, I only have this amount, so I gotta choose this one or this one, right? If you didn't have to, would you do the deal? Could you adjust your price? And then if you didn't have to make monthly payments, which is a killer for a lot of flippers, right? They don't wanna make that monthly payment. So with seller financing, a lot of times you don't have to make um, monthly payments. So take the time to ask them all the Ford questions, actively listen. But here's a very important question that you can work into the rapport building and asking. Ask the seller what they're gonna do with the money. Don't assume, we assume too often. Ask, listen, ask clarifying questions. Ask them what they're gonna do with the money. 
So let me tell you guys a quick story about this beautiful house. A guy named Larry owns this house, and his wife's name was Bert. And I went to the house. Larry was, or Larry was there, Bert was not there. I remember showing up to the house. There was snow in the driveway. So walked in. I knew very quickly from talking to him that his wife was not going to be there, so I thought, okay, i got to get his wife here. But we walked around the house a little bit, and that day there was a guy putting in HVAC. And I could tell it was a good conversation. I'm going through the four questions, asking him, active listening and things. And uh, I could tell that he was really bugged, like, not bugged, but he was just like anxious about this HVAC install that was going on while we were there. He was just frustrated. He was just like, ugh, this house was a, a, a vacant rental that he owned free and clear, that people had moved out, so now it's a hassle in him, right? So he's having a hassle with that. And he's having to deal with the HVAC people. So I noted that in the back of my mind during this, and then I'm building some rapport with him, but ultimately I knew I had to get him from there to go back to his house where his wife was. Why? Anybody? Will I pause to take a drink? Both decision makers, right? I know I need to build a rapport with her as well as him. So I do that. Uh, I convince him that we need to go back and talk to, talk to Bert as well. So we go there. So I remember, after gathering some intel, I go there and sit there in the kitchen table with, with Larry and Bert. I was talking to them. They own the house free and clear. I could understand like, all the different things they were looking for out of it. They were, um, it was just stressing them out. It was this, this HVAC install was really stressing out Larry. So finally, I got down to the point where we're talking about money. I went through my thing, which I won't go to that now. But um, I asked them what they're going to do with the money. And they didn't have a great answer for that. So because they didn't, we kind of came to a little bit of an offer price. And then I said, look, what if I could pay you a little bit more if you guys just waited to get all your money for like, I don't know, six months? Because I explained to them what I'm going to do. I'm going to buy your house, and then I'm going to fix it up, and I'm going to sell it to some end user in six months. And they understood that, and they said, well, why would you pay me more money? Skeptical, right? Well, I'm going to pay you more money because then I can save up some of my costs. I don't have to use my money, and my money costs more money. So if I just use your money, so I'll give you a little bit now. And we agreed on price was 5000 down. And I said, the rest of it I'll give you in six months. And they were okay with that. Because I asked them, they were okay with that, right? So what ended up working out with them was $5,000 down. Well, actually, HVAC story tied in. So I ended up working out about $100,000, a little less than $99,000 something. 5000 down, and the balance, no interest, no payments due in six months. No interest, no payments, right? They're just hanging on to that money until I sell this thing in six months. But one of the pain points that kind of tipped him over the edge, and I knew it was a pain for them because I listened, that HVAC was bugging him so much. He had to make a decision. Am I going to put a, a coil on it? Which way am I going to face it? He just didn't want to deal with any of that stuff. So I told him, I said, Larry, if we work this deal out here today, I know it's bugging you. That HVAC guy can call me from now on. I'll make those decisions. And by the way, I'll give him my credit card today so you don't have to pay for that. For him, I just saw the relief drop on him. He just he didn't want to have to deal with that stress in his life. So he was, he was sold then. And his wife, some other things, but she ended up being sold, right? Does that seem complicated to anybody, how I did that? I hope that you just open your mind, like, that's possible. You can do that, right? Okay. So this seems complicated, Andy. How do I write up the contract for that, okay? This is the real contract. I recognize you can't read it, but I thought just for the purposes here, it's a one-page contract, and it says right there in the top, the uh, price, it just says C addendum. This is the actual contract that I used. I hand wrote it. A horrible handwriting, right? And this is the addendum. And you can't read that either, right? So I'll give you some examples. But it just basically says that they're going to get 5000 from the sale, and the balance will be paid in six months. That's it. Not that complicated, right? You negotiate it there with them. You figure out what's works for them. You talk about it. If you've got an agreement, then you can just put it in writing just like that, just a little addendum like that, right? People ask me this question, too. OK, Andy, you didn't give him all of his money up front, so who owns the property, though, right? So here's the HUD from that closing. I own the property. Title transferred to me. I am the owner. He became the bank at that point. See that little line right there that says seller finance? That's it. That's what he took, seller financing. And what he got was he gave me the title, and what I gave him was a note. This is the note. And that's exactly it. It's a one-page thing. And I didn't even draw that up. The title company did it, per the instructions that I handwrote on my chicken scratch. 
right? That's it. That whole transaction, you guys just saw all the paperwork for that right there. For how I negotiated it, how I wrote it up. I think sometimes we overcomplicate this in our mind. But this has to be more complicated than that. But that's it. So they owned it free and clear. I bought it from them on terms, no interest, no payments, for six months, and I flipped it. I bought it $5,000 down. I think I put $30,000 into it. I probably made $30,000, $35,000 on the flip, right? So $35,000 of capital, made $35,000. Pretty good returns, right? But I also didn't have to dip into my pocket that extra $92,000 because they held that for me. They were happy, I was happy to accomplish our goals because I didn't assume that they needed their money today like we all assume sometimes, right? So don't assume, ask. All right, Andy, hang on though. What if they, what if they don't own it free and clear? That's fine and dandy if they own it free and clear. Yeah, what if they got a mortgage? I was thinking a conversation going on in your head when I'm up here, right? Okay, here's what you do. In that addendum, write up something like this. You guys can take a picture of that if you want to just write that up. Or you can make up what you want, right? But just write something like that. Bottom, it says, seller agrees to leave existing financing place for X number of months. And the buyer would be responsible for existing financing. Just write that up, and you're gonna go to closing just like we did with the other one. And the HUD's gonna look like this. Existing loans taken subject to. This was a house we did a couple of weeks ago. It was a $350,000 house. That's tough, I mean, that's a lot of interest payments on that if you're paying 12% or one in 12 or something like that, right? But it took it sub to 350. 20,000 needed to be paid because there's liens and things like that. The 330,000, it's at like 4%, paying that. We're flipping it, gonna put about 12 to 20,000, something like that in there, carpet and paint job. I normally wouldn't do that, I mean, to sell in like the, the low to mid fours, to buy for 350, not interested in that, right? But under this, it's gonna take me $20,000 down and 15 or 20,000 to flip it. So for 40 grand, I can turn around and make 30, 40 grand. And it's in a great area, so I'll do that. Does that make sense? How you can do it if they, if they don't own it free and clear? I hope this opens your eyes to like, it's not really that difficult. You just need to ask, you need to ask for it. So during your discovery, you're finding out do they have a loan, do they not have a loan? And you're gonna ask and you're gonna do that. So now you guys know, that's short-term seller financing for flips, okay? <laughs> Jason built this slide. There's this old commercial about the hair club for men, do you guys remember this? The guy would go on there, he's like, and I'm not just the hair club for men president, I'm also a member, right? He's got his hair there. So I told that to Jason joking, so he put that on there. But, um, so we currently accounted, right now, we've got about seven flips, about a million dollars of stuff like that. Seller's money that they're holding or allowing us to use for while we're doing flips. So we currently are doing this right now, and I'm a wholesaler, but that's just of our current flip inventory right now, okay. Longer term seller financing with an underlying mortgage, okay? So the overall goal here is, all right, great Andy, I don't wanna keep it short term for a flip, I'm looking for holding something long term. So here's the goal, you wanna borrow for as long as possible, without your credit and as little money down as possible, okay? All right, let's give it up for Andy McFarlane, the godfather of seller financing. This guy has taught me everything that I know, everything that my team knows, everything that our members know inside of the mastermind groups about seller financing. He's absolutely amazing at it, and him and his team do a ton of it. And the shift is coming. We talked about this a couple times. The, there's changes happening, there's gonna be a new opportunities, and when you have these tools in your toolbox, the MacGyver, if you're the MacGyver of seller financing and, and solving sellers, problems, you're going to have the leg up in your marketplace and when you're competing against everybody else. We don't need to use the cash hammer. You've got the keys to the kingdom right now. Now, this is a little bit longer presentation than I wanted to put on this podcast, but I just couldn't cut Andy off. It was so good. And I'm going to put this whole episode up on the Seven Figure Flipping Podcast. So if you're not listening to that podcast, I highly recommend and encourage you to go listen to it. It'll be up tomorrow. On, uh, on that one, and you can listen to the entire 40-minute presentation. He's just about to go into subject to deals. But since you're here with me, and this is a new podcast, and we're just getting ready to launch our Flip Hacking Live virtual event, uh, I want to give you the opportunity to get the whole thing, so this whole video, and then if you want to go deeper with Andy, 
Not only did he do this 40-minute presentation, but he built out a four-hour training that we use inside the mastermind group all about each individual option that he was talking about of seller financing. So four different modules, an entire training course. We used to sell this course for $1,500. And I want to give it to you as a bonus if you get your Flip Hacking Live tickets because you listen to this podcast. So if you use the code FHL podcast, it's one word, FHL podcast. When you go get your tickets, you can go to fliphackinglive.com. Right at the top, when you click get tickets, it'll take you to an Eventbrite page. At the top, it says add promo code. Click on that type in FHL podcast, all one word. It'll unlock a secret, a secret ticket. So same price, secret ticket, but it'll say with previous Flip Hacking Live bonuses. And not only will you get the seller financing training, but you'll get 2016, 2017, 2018, and 2019 videos, including this video where you can see all of Andy's contracts, the addendum he was talking about. You can see him do the wave. You can see all that crazy stuff. So, um, and all the other presentations that we handpicked just for you that currently have stood the test of time from 2016, 17, 18, and 19. I removed all the extra noise, all the things that don't apply anymore, all the things we're not using currently, and kept the meat and the gold in there for you. So just this one presentation and these four hours of seller financing training will change your business. And for the price of a Flip Hacking Live ticket and a three-day virtual conference, this is the biggest no-brainer, the best offer that I've ever made. So uh, for watching, listen to the podcast, I'm glad you're here. I really appreciate it. Do me a favor. I'm going to do this for you. Do something for me. Just subscribe to the podcast. Leave me a rating and review. Tell me how awesome it is. Tell me what you think about the podcast and submit your questions. I want to keep answering questions. And coming up on the future Flip Hacking Live podcast over the next couple of weeks, what we're going to be doing is I'm introducing you to other speakers. So Andy's obviously going to be a speaker, but I've got other speakers that I'm going to start announcing. I'm going to tell you a little bit more behind the scenes things. We've got a lot of stuff going on right now, a lot of planning, a lot of really exciting things that are going on for this event. So I hope you're as excited as I am. We're less than two months away from jumping right in and I'm pumped. It's going to be awesome. And we're working to figure out what the speakers are going to say, uh, who we're going to have on stage, what the, what the structure is, all that stuff. And it is going to be amazing. So don't wait, get your tickets. The prices are going up next week. All right. I'll see you on the next episode. Hey, it's Bill again. And I want to personally invite you to our biggest event of the year, Flip Hacking Live. If you could copy the exact deal sources, marketing strategies, negotiation tactics, and business systems of the most successful house flippers and wholesalers in the nation, how would that change your business? Flip Hacking Live is a three-day event that we do just once per year, and it's happening October 15th through the 17th. We bring in the nation's top wholesalers and house flippers to walk you through everything they're doing, how they're marketing directly to sellers, how they're picking up discounted off-market properties, how they're doubling their close ratio with the right negotiation tactics, how they're raising millions of dollars in private money, the things they're doing that other investors aren't doing, all of it. These are the guys and gals who are actively doing deals at a high volume in today's market all across the country. You get their full attention for three days. They have agreed to hold nothing back and you'll be right there with them so you can ask questions and get clarification on anything that you need. This is your chance to hack the nation's top flippers and wholesalers and ethically steal their exact strategies and systems. All you have to do is take notes, ask questions, and apply what you learn. But first, you need to get a ticket. We've sold out every year and ticket prices go up every few months. So go to fliphackinglive.com right now and get your tickets today. Fliphackinglive.com, October 15th through the 17th. This is an event that you cannot afford to miss.